What's up, everybody? Hey, listen, if you guys didn't get a chance to listen to our patient advocacy panel with the Canadian research on psychedelics and cannabis, stay tuned because we got a treat for you. We're going to be playing that next. Let me first start out by saying thank you to Podcast Powertrain for helping produce my show. These are the guys you need behind you if you're looking to start your podcast. Also, I'd like to thank Powered by Riverside FM. That's right. Our show is powered by Riverside FM, one of the best platforms to actually have a podcast on. So I'm going to have some links at the end of the show or in the show notes. Check them out. These are the two people that you need to get up, get with to make your podcast top 100. On the Good News Grow 2.0, we're here to let you know the importance of plant-based medicine and psychedelics on mental and physical health. We're bringing you stories of how these medicines have changed lives and can save lives. We want to teach you the healing power of plant-based medicine. This is the Good News Grow 2.0. What's up, Good News Grow? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Gary Roberts. Today, we've got a treat for you. We're going to play three-part series. Basically, it's going to be a series that uh, basically it's a panel we put on back in the beginning of October with the uh, Clinical Research Association of Canada and the Node Group. Basically, they presented a cannabis and psychedelic patient advocacy panel, which I was a part of. So it goes a little long. It's a little bit over an hour. So what I decided to do is we're going to play it in three parts. Hope you enjoy part one. Next week, stay tuned for part two. And the week after that, stay stay tuned for part three. You guys have a great day. Um, So welcome, everyone. We're about to dive into the Patient Advocacy and Experience panel. Uh, My name is Ming, and I'll be the moderator today. And I'm just going to give you a quick intro on myself. And because I truly believe that one of the most important parts about patient advocacy is really the story that comes with it, I'm going to let each of our panelists share their story with you. So just to kick it off, um, I'm Ming. I work for Node Group, but I've been a medical cannabis patient for a little over seven years now after a series of traumatic brain injuries. And that kind of launched my journey into patient advocacy, learning about plant medicine, and finding innovative ways to heal myself and further kind of moved me into the career where I'm at now, where I work in the cannabis and psychedelic space hoping to help other patients and other innovative studies get off the ground. So I'm just going to move through the panel. Gary, if you want to give us your intro next. Definitely. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm honored to be on this panel with all you, with you, all of you, and I'm hoping that the listeners will get some insight from each and every one of us. My name is Gary Roberts. I'm a 16-year active-duty firefighter paramedic in the state of Florida, Fort Lauderdale Fire Department. I'm also the founder of Promises Recovery Centers, uh, I'm on a mission to actually change the way mental health is treated in first responders and addiction. I believe that it's basically through plant-based medicine and progressive therapeutics like psychedelics. Uh, the reason why I'm doing this is I lost my daughter on her, my wife and I lost her, my daughter on her 27th birthday. And then three months later, I lost my father to an opiate dependency and in the last five years, I've lost close to five brothers in the fire department to suicide. So I believe there's better options for mental health. And I think it's through plant-based medicine. And I'm hoping that Promises of Recovery will actually help bring those options out to everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing, Gary. Rob, do you want to hop in? Absolutely. Um, welcome, everyone. 
my name is Rob Hindman. I'm like Gary, a 21 year uh, firefighter in the city of Greater Sudbury in Ontario, Canada. Um, during those years, I spent about 15 of those in the union environment advocating for uh, firefighters' working conditions, uh, patient advocacy through WSIB, which is workers' compensation. And for the last four years, I, I spent as the president of the Ontario Professional Firefighters, which is the largest firefighter association in Canada. Um, during that time, dealt with mental health and uh, mental health issues for firefighters across North America. Um, and a personal story, I dealt with a post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis as well. So I've gone through it from a, from a patient and had a patient perspective on it. And my, why I'm here is myself and some colleagues, one who you'll, who you'll meet shortly, are similar to Gary on a mission to change the landscape as it relates to mental health and first responders utilizing innovation, technology, and plant-based therapy. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Rob. Um, B, let's see where you're at. Hi, everyone. I'm Bay. Um, firstly, I'd like to just acknowledge that I'm participating in this summit from the lands of the Bunurong people here, who are the traditional owners of this land. Um, so thank you so much. I'm so humbled to be a part of um, such an amazing panel. Um, I am the head of patient advocacy and um, engagement at Astrid. Um, Astrid is the first female-led and woman of colour medicinal cannabis dispensary here in Australia. So on a day-to-day, my role is actually providing services to patients who are on legally prescribed cannabis and are being discriminated for the choice of treatment, be it employment or, or driving or private health insurers. Um, we actually provide patients with the support. So on a day-to-day, we are, I guess, fighting with the patients to ensure that they are able to access um, these medicines. And on a personal level as well, um, uh, being diagnosed with CPTSD six years ago, I've really had to go through my personal journey of finding, I guess, um, what was the right therapy and medicine for me. And through psilocybin, I was very blessed um, to actually start my journey of healing of my mind, body and soul two years ago. Um, so I'm very passionate about it on a personal and professional level as well. So thank you. Thank you so much, B. Natasha, you're up. Hi, everyone. My name is Natasha Fernley. Uh, I'm in Victoria, B.C., which is the traditional territory of the Lekwungen peoples. I am a registered nurse and I'm the clinical intake director at an organization uh, called Theracil. And we're a nonprofit uh, coalition that helps those in medical need in Canada gain legal access to psilocybin therapy. Um, and so... My position includes um, building out our clinical protocol to help patients to ensure that it's safe for them to do psilocybin therapy, help them to get support from their physicians, help them to apply to Health Canada to get an exemption so they get a legal exemption to be in possession of psilocybin, and then refer them to trained therapists so that they can access that psilocybin therapy. Um, And my journey into this work has definitely been through my own healing and my own trauma. Um, I've been in a nursing career working in palliative care and working with dementia while I was also on my own healing path, discovering the the healing potential of psilocybin and psychedelics, uh, and then just really blessed that I got to bring those two paths together to then be able to do this work and advocate 
Um, and a big part of my job as well is to advocate for psilocybin regulations in Canada to be enacted. Um, and so we, my organization uh, works hard to communicate to Health Canada that this needs to happen. And we're trying to um, inform Health Canada what, about what these regulations will look like. Thanks, Natasha. Noah. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Noah. I uh, am very thankful for the opportunity to have everybody listen to me rant. So thanks for everybody who's here and uh, who is tuning in today. Uh, I am a military veteran. I'm a very rare breed of Canadian veterans that spent very minimal time training and then being uh, sent off to combat in Afghanistan. Uh, I had no experience uh, with the military, either myself, other than being in uh, air cadets as a kid, and uh, or in my family. So, uh, uh, being thrusted from civvy on the streets to boots on the ground Afghanistan in less than a, uh, a year and a half uh, was very, very uh, fast change for me. Uh, and what has brought me here today is, uh, unfortunately, due to my my time in service and in Afghanistan. I had uh, a post-traumatic stress injury and uh, needed to find a wellness path that would allow for me to uh, heal my mind, my body, and my soul. Uh, and unfortunately, that was not something that uh, my chain of command or the Canadian forces as a whole um, really uh, allowed for. And unfortunately, in 2011, I uh, relapsed my post-traumatic stress injury and uh, I was out the door, so to speak, with the Canadian forces and uh, uh, needed to find a, a new wellness path. And that path uh, was, uh, uh, you know, I did all sorts of research and that path ended up being uh, cannabis as well as uh, psychedelic mushrooms. And uh, both of them had profound uh, effects for me personally. And just for my, my own nature, I decided... Um, I couldn't hold that uh, experience to myself, uh, where I knew that I had brothers and sisters in arms suffering. And, uh, you know, shout it from the rooftop, so to speak. Like, if it's working for me and I no longer feel um, like I'm going down a very dark path, then I know the next person um, at the next, in the next conflict um, who is uh, uh, struggling with mental health issues will be able to find, you know, what has worked anecdotally, at least for, for me and for our, my brothers and sisters in arms uh, to, to find the light, so to speak. So um, I, after, uh, sorry, after releasing from the Canadian forces and uh, finding my wellness, which took about 10 years, uh, I've now found myself as an entrepreneur and a successful business owner. And, you know, I, I feel like I have reintegrated back into society um, and, uh, you know, I'm 37 years old now and I, I get to continue to contribute to, uh, where, where I live here in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. Thank you so much for sharing, Noah. Matt, last but certainly not least, go well, for it. Well, thank you for allowing me to be part of this panel. And Noah, thank you for your service for our country, by the way. Amazing story and, uh, so uplifting to hear. 
Um, like Rob and Gary, I'm a full-time professional firefighter in Metro Vancouver. I'm in my 10th year. Um, I've been to over 3,000 emergency calls and I'm a trained hazardous materials technician. Um, prior to the start of my career in first responder culture, I was actually a full-time mental health clinician. Um, so I'm a registered clinical counselor here in British Columbia. And I specialized in depression and trauma, like many healthcare providers do in, in the arena of talk therapy. And I realized the limitations that talk therapy has in terms of working with public safety culture. And so um, in 2017, uh, just like Rob and Gary, I was affected by a number of colleagues that committed completed suicide. We had a cluster of three in uh, a year and a half um, within British Columbia and um, it became a national level kind of area of interest. And so one of the gaps that um, I found that was really good for my background and training was uh, providing cultural competency training for healthcare providers on how to work with public safety. And some of you may have noticed Noah referred to his injury as a post-traumatic stress injury. That is vernacular that needs to be adjusted within Canadian society because we're still in a stage of looking at um, uh, what we consider our normal reactions to a series of abnormal events as an acquired stress injury rather than a disease and pathology. And so I'm on a mission with Rob and with Gary to change the mental health landscape for public safety, um, primarily through um, training healthcare providers on how to build and work with public safety, but also looking at alternative treatments because we know that if what was currently working was working, we wouldn't be dealing with nearly one in two public safety members struggling with one or more psychological symptoms of a disorder. So uh, I look forward to getting into that at some point in this panel, and I'll, I'll send it back to you, Ming. All right. Thank you so much, Matt. So as you guys can see, we've got a really diverse and impactful panel today. I think we're going to dive right into some questions and then, yeah, see where the conversation takes us. So my first question, I'm going to start with you, B, and you can kick us off here. What are some issues that you see regarding patient advocacy and experience within your country? Yeah, sure. So as some of you may know, like in Australia, medicinal cannabis has only been legalized for four years. So we're quite at an early stage of an industry where it was being legalized by the federal government, but there's all these other regulations that haven't, I guess, been updated or passed to ensure better access for patients. So, you know, patients in Australia are still being discriminated for, you know, having products with THC and, and they do get drug tested at work and legally prescribed THC is still considered as an illicit drug here. So for some patients, you know, it's a choice between a medicine that could really help their quality of life versus their employment. And similar with drug driving issues here in Australia as well, currently, um, you know, you are being tested for the presence of THC in your system. So again, patients, you know, who could benefit from this, you know, have been on their opioids and benzos for a very long time and dependent and want to access medicinal cannabis, feel that they, you know, unable to get on the right medications for these reasons. Um, so we, we do have a lot of issues at the moment and I think already, um, you know, learning so much from, you know, my peers in Canada and North America about how, you know, you guys have been through this yourself as well and, and through patient advocacy and patient stories that we are able to lobby to the government 
to ensure that there's better and fair access. But I think the most, the biggest barrier in Australia at the moment um, that is also a personal passion of mine is um, the veterans' access to medicinal cannabis here. So the De- Department of Veterans Affairs here in Australia does not recognise medicinal cannabis as a valid option of treatment for mental health. And on a day-to-day basis, we see so many veterans who could benefit from this um, because of the amount of, I guess, antidepressants and benzos that they've been on for the last 10 years of their lives. And even though the federal government does recognise um, medicinal cannabis as a valid treatment for anxiety and depression and symptoms of PTSD, the DVA just completely refused to allow veterans to access this and to be remunerated. So I think that is the one sort of thing that we have tried to sort of educate the department on what has happened in Canada and the benefits that a lot of veterans have had. But, um, you know, there's still a lot more to be done and, and there's still a long road here in Australia for patients, um, particularly veterans, to have fair and better access to medicinal cannabis. And, you know, the, the conversation of psilocybin is, is on the radar now as well. So I'm sure we'll, we'll sort of see similar issues arise there as well. Yeah, no, thank you, Vee. And Gary, do you see something similar or do you see issues like that being in the States as well? Or is, yeah, where, where is that with you? It's, it's similar because the toughest thing with the United States right now is every state has their laws different. You know, some some states are for adult use, some states are, are for medical use. So, so it's really hard to just distinct an overall kind of like what you guys have. But like piggybacking off of what Noah said and what B said off the veterans, for everybody who's listening who does not know what most firefighters go through, when you sign up to be a firefighter, we were all taught we were the superheroes. We were, we were take to school. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a cop. I want to be a firefighter. You know, they're they're the superheroes. They help everything. We were never taught when we signed up that we would see, uh, how can I say without being too, too visual, but death and mayhem for 30 years. Yeah. That we were just trying to get to our end, of, our end of our career and we're seeing things that nobody told us about. Like, no, he was thrust right into it. Well, our first day, we're thrust right into it. Your first day, you're going to see an overdose, car accident, maybe you have to take a kid out of a pool. All these things are going to dwell, are going to build up in a first responder over the years. And having access to the plant-based medicine is something we need to teach them that it's not just because we want to, you know, be recreational, play high. And I'll get into that later, later on, but it's something that we need. It's, it's, we really need access to it and we got to teach those in charge that, that that's why we're using it because they have no idea. They, they, they still see it as, as something completely different. They have no idea why we're trying to do it. So coming out in the light and talking about it is the only way we're actually going to get footsteps forward like like Rob and Matt did with their little with their thing they're going to talk about later, which congratulations to you guys making steps forward in that. You're giving it away already, Gary. I'm, I'm trying not to. I, I just keep talking. Sorry. Just, just cut me off. <laughs> Noah, I guess with your experience in Canada, bringing it home, what do you see in terms of patient advocacy, given the work that you've done with veterans and all of that? Um, well, I mean, I, I suppose from a, a patient's perspective, I um, look like I had I had the choice. I had either to become a statistic or I could I could take control of my life again. And uh, I chose I chose to take the reins and 
um, do my own due diligence and research onto something that was going to work for, for me specifically. Each individual is uh, unique, and I feel that the, uh, the treatment path should be unique uh, as well. Some people will work and you know, respond very fine to conventional uh, prescription drugs. Um, my, my experience is the vast majority of uh, people that have been put into a traumatic uh, situation that can't let go of that, um, um, that trauma uh, don't respond well to uh, conventional uh, pharma- pharmacological um, uh, medications. And uh, for, for me specifically, I, before I became a, a medical, a legal medical uh, patient, and I don't mind sharing this, before uh, Canada went recreation, recreational, I very much went on the street and I found something that, you know, I was told yep. would work. And let me tell you, mo- the moment cannabis touched my lungs, it was like a physical, a literal physical weight came off of my chest. And I was relieved of every single Every teeny tiny little piece of stress that I was holding on to in that moment, it was it was gone. And mind you, it was it was gone for you know a couple minutes, thirty minutes, an hour, two hours, however long it was. But in that short time, I felt relief that I hadn't felt in years. So, um, and then also another profound experience that I personally had with uh, with. Uh, 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 psychedelic mushrooms was it wasn't a very good experience at the time but I was left feeling uh relieved and emphasized that I'm okay so I'm not sure if I answered your, your question I kind of went on a bit of a <laughs> I love it there, but, um, no it's yeah, perfect and it was, oh go ahead sorry go for it oh I was just gonna say there's there's so much that you know we 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 don't know about these plant-based medicines yet we are. We do know that they are. They're helping people. Look at look at me. You're, you, there are people listening to me right now, and I I never made any progress on pharmaceutical drugs on conventional talk therapy. I went the route of self medicating initially with medical cannabis until I or with cannabis until I could uh, get on with med- uh, medical grade cannabis in the legal um, structure, and uh, you know same is true for psychedelic mushrooms. Um, I honestly feel that in conjunction with, um, you know, uh, a qualified therapist, uh, plant-based medicine, cannabis, as well as psychedelic mushrooms or any other, I can't attest to other psychedelics because, I mean, I only tried for myself psychedelic mushrooms, so, but um, I digress. There's definitely, there's definitely something there. And I think that we we already know that food is medicine. We need food to live. Well, look at these plants, you know, plants are food. What's, you know, our bodies have, um, you know, and this is something that we know our bodies, every single cell in our body has uh, what's called the endocannabinoid system. You know, back in the 1930s, we knew, uh, we, we, or we, um, I believe it was a uh, United States uh, medical officer learned that we got scurvy because of a vitamin C deficiency. That was 1930. Here we are, 2021, and we know that this compound that we can find in plant-based uh, in plants interacts with our bodies, and its very nature is to you know promote homeostasis, the correct operation of the cell. So you know it. I think we should be, you know, definitely the world should be looking at this medicine. 
uh, or these plants as a tool. Um, and what we put into our body is definitely what we get out of it. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And in a way, I think you're leading me into the next question beautifully, actually. And Gary, I'm coming for you. Um, it's, we're going to talk about the issues around having a medicinal substance. And I'm speaking a little bit more about cannabis here because we're still moving forward with psychedelic regulation. But having a medicinal substance is being sold for both recreational and medicinal use. So what are your thoughts? Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, try, I'll try and stay on my square and not rant on everybody else's square. But I completely 100% dislike the word recreational, especially for, for the doors that have been slammed in my face trying to advocate for first responders. As soon as you talk to anybody in a higher up position or power and you use the word recreational, all they see is Cheech and Chong showing up on a scene of a car accident or a medical scene and smoke coming out of the truck. That's all they see. So it, it, I'd rather people use something like uh, adult use or medical cannabis because that's what we're advocating. We're not advocating to use it recreationally. We're, we're looking to use something to better ourselves. And that's the key here is like, like Noah said, the plant itself helps bring our body to a homeostatic state. It helps level stuff off. We're at a high stress end job already. We need to be leveled off. And if another pharmaceutical medication is throwing me off on another level and I'm going to take another one that throws me off at another level, it's not doing any of us good. And if it's not doing any of us good, it's not doing the public any good. So I would rather get rid of recreational, see adult use or medical use, one of the two, and then educate them on why we, we think that way. Because if we educate them, it's the only way we're going to keep opening doors for ourselves. Yeah, Matt, I see you nodding there. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, I agree. I mean, you know, language has the ability to shape perception. And there's a twofold objective here. One is society and, well, actually government's acceptance of, of a new language and a new paradigm, but also our ability on the front lines to share this new vernacular with public safety members so that there is increased buy-in and a reduced stigma around usage and engagement of, of um, you know, medicinal use of plant-based therapy. Um, you know, fundamentally across any public safety culture and shift worker for that measure, sleep disturbances is the number one issue that's fundamental across. And in the diagnostic manual for psychological disorders, sleep is the only consistent variable across every diagnosable personality or psychological disorder. And so if we can take care of sleep, we'll be able to then take care of a lot of the mental health issues that people on the front line are facing. Um, you know, just to expand on what Gary was saying earlier, you know, the events that we're going to are larger in scale. They're higher risk events that are becoming more frequent and longer in duration. And the human stress response is not designed to be able to tolerate these type of events. And so um, when we think of the impact of, say, the COVID pandemic and the exhaustion and the compassion fatigue that we're experiencing on the front line as, you know, paramedics are overwhelmed and we're having to wait on scene for multiple minutes at a time, sometimes even hours, um, what we're really dealing with is a lot of moral injuries that don't necessarily fit the criteria of post-traumatic stress, quote, disorder. And so there's a strong disconnect between the medical community and, and research community and, and government and on the front lines. 
And so this is where I challenge all learners um, that are tuning in is to figure out how we can all come together and collaborate on a common vision around how to move forward in this complex and unregulated landscape within provinces, states, and countries. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the show. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I'll have some links for you. So if you're interested in starting your podcast yourself, one of the best places to go is podcast powertrain right now they're doing an, an amazing offer for all their course material if you want to actually help get your uh, show ranked all you got to do is go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash powertrain and you'll get all the information there also if you're looking for a platform not sure which platform to use to record your show on riverside fm is the one we use you can also go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash Riverside. Check them out and you will not be disappointed. Again, thank you for all listening to the show and we will see you. Well, we'll see you, but. Good Dudes Grow 2.0. Thank you for tuning in. If you're still listening to this, that means you gained something out of this episode. So make sure you share it with a friend, leave a review and subscribe. So you never miss an episode of the Good Dudes Grow 2.0.